Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast with behind-the-scenes stories and on-set lore. My name is Mitchell Mel, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount Studios, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, former head of Resources Management. Brandon, how are we today? Well, Mitch, today I am feeling particularly readier. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I got my uh, yeah. my diet soda with me, my diet Pepsi. Ooh, that's Maybe um. Yeah. I heard, and just a little health advisory. I heard that diet soda can actually give you cancer. Yeah, actually, that is true. That is true. Is um, that, that, is... that is why I drink it. Oh, I see. I see. To accelerate the process. Um, topical warning today, Mitch. Though, because uh, you know we're going to be discussing the the health risks of of drugs and. And stuff like that with this episode. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, you know, ahead of time. Because who knows what episode we could be talking about today. We've been going in order, but one of these days we're just going to jump to, you know, season five. Yeah, and... keep it interesting. Right, right, right. Um, whenever there's a particularly disagreeable episode. Of course. But, uh, just you know... burn it all to the ground, basically. <laughs> but not an episode... Uh... <laughs> As disagreeable as the naked now, I suppose, which is unavoidable. It's hard to get more disagreeable than that. I agree. So I, I can't, I can't get more disagreeable than that. I can't get disagreeable <laughs> at all. So, um, you want to hear a joke? Absolutely. Knock knock. Who's there? Question. Question who? Question of the week. Oh. Ah! a good joke if i'm being that was good that was good um so this week's question of the week comes from francois in uh brussels of all places um who asks tell me a story about jonathan frakes and uh that is not a question but i still think it's a it's a good thing to go over but I do mm-hmm. want to take this opportunity to make Francois a bit of an example, um, to have some just a, a modicum of etiquette when um, contacting people that you, that you care about and you respect. It's uh, you, you don't want to bark orders at anybody that's very rude, and right. I can't imagine the lack of awareness that goes into doing something like this. But don't be like Francois; just be a little more polite when addressing people who are taking time from their day to collect your Patreon donations and speak into a microphone for an hour a week. Right, right. And um, we would also appreciate a, uh, you know, a, a header, uh, like a captain comma. Exactly. Uh, at, at the end, uh, and regards, thank you, best wishes. Right. Just how, how would you talk to your boss at work? How would you, right. how would you address Captain Picard? You know, you're not right because that, that is the relationship that we have here. Also, exactly. So, do better, be better, and maybe we'll keep making this show for you. 
Thank so you, Mitch. I mean, that's always so hard to. to talk. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's important. It's mm. important. Mm. Fans need to know their place. Um, we don't, don't, we're not your friends. You do not have right. a friendship with us. Right. You can keep your parasocial relationships to yourself and hopefully um, at some point in your life find a real connection with somebody that isn't us. The the one caveat to this, however, Mitch, is um, you know, if, if those of you in the audience are seventeen uh, year old girls, uh, then I, I would be more than happy to groom you. Right. Of course. Of course. Uh, otherwise, let's let's just keep it, you know. Right. But we have DMs for that. Yes, yeah. Uh, DMs are open. Right. Uh, are, they're what, capital R, capital R? Yeah, exactly. Um, just state your ASL in your first DM. And, uh, right. right. We'll, uh, we'll go from there. So, my uh, favorite Jonathan Frakes story. Um, so, you know how, well, you, of course you know, but you guys at home, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Um, Jonathan Frakes went on after his Trek lifespan to host um, Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction, which was this kind of um, anthology show where Frakes would introduce a variety of stories, and the thrust of that show was that you wouldn't know if they were real or fake until Frakes told you. But an anthology story show, that's what everybody does know. What everybody doesn't know is that Frakes was, like, obsessed with anthologies. Like, hosting an anthology was his, uh, his dream. For, for for the bigger part of his acting career. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was around season two or three of Trek, TNG, when they started airing Tales from the Crypt on HBO, you know, the Crypt Keeper and whatnot. Right, right, yeah. Horror anthology. How um, could I forget? Right. Frakes always insisted on somebody sitting down to watch it with him. He'd be like, you got to see this. you you got to see it. He'd, like, get several cast members, anybody in production who felt strong-armed by his star power, um, he was just so in love with it. And, like, he would do his Crypt Keeper impression around the set. Uh, it wasn't very good, but, you know. Oh, he, he, he enjoyed doing it. Um, but the when he was doing the Crypt Keeper thing, he would, you know, tell stories about the cast and, like, of our show. And eventually the stories just kind of got a little too personal. Like, he'd be divulging things that they told him in confidence. And that became this whole thing. But... Uh, we we convinced him to stop doing it, but the passion never left him for the anthology shows. And um, yeah. once once he was asked to host Beyond Belief, well, he was excited Beyond Belief. Like he was just beside himself. Yeah, yeah, and that that was really it for him. Um, mm-hmm. He'd he'd really found his calling there, huh? Yeah, yeah. So much so that when they asked him to reprise his role as the Beyond Belief Factor Fiction host for a uh, NFL Super Bowl spot um he dropped everything in his schedule flew out to do it did it for free and yep yeah amazing um i don't know i never liked beyond belief all that much i uh really yeah i can't i can't watch it without thinking of the freaks that i know that we know from 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 i guess that's true huh yeah i mean if if you only know freaks from one side of the camera from the audience side, then you can you can tolerate it pretty well, and perhaps you'd even enjoy it. But on the back side of the camera, it's it mars the entire thing. It does lose a little bit of its charm, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I don't know if I were you guys, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't deify freaks like people seem to, and that he seems to to encourage you to do. Right, right. He does kind of command that, that aura uh, right. around himself. Exactly. Uh, and I, there's, there's a reason for that. I really can't stand the people who demand that level of respect from really anybody. You know, you, you earn it. Right. And um, if people aren't going to give it to you, then that's something on your fault. So you right. can't you can't just ask to be respected. It's it's insane. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So good question, Francois. Work on your manners a little bit, and maybe you can ask us another one sometime. Um, if you at home want to send us a question to ask, you can send it to our Gmail account, which is the ready room at gmail.com, capital T, capital R, capital R, or you can DM us on Twitter. Again, just state your ASL, and um, our Twitter is the readier room. So looking forward to uh, all our ensigns contacting us with uh, all the most important and amusing questions you can think of. Okay, so this week um, we have an episode of Star Trek to talk about, and this week we're talking about Star Trek The Next Generation. So this is episode True. this is episode twenty one, I think. Sure. Yeah, could be episode sixteen. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, symbiosis, which is a very literally uh, named episode, given its yeah. contents. Yeah. Uh, although you would think that it would kind of be more parasitic, in some ways. Yeah, I mean. Uh that well what do you mean like uh, in, in the context of the relationship yeah so uh-huh. obviously it's the title's talking about these two alien cultures in uh the show and symbiosis presumably they have a symbiotic relationship where they both benefit one another but in actuality as, as the plot turns happen it's discovered that it's more of a parasitic relationship right well you see that's where the twist is right Oh, so even the title. I guess you don't want the title to betray the twist. Right, right. You could just uh, call it like, um, I don't know, like like the, the drug trade of Brekia. Or, um... Yeah. Um, two moons over the galaxy. Or something. Really, like really just give it two moons over the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Poetic. I, I thought so. I think that's a good name. I I should have named more episodes, really. I, I do I do like it when the, the title tells us exactly what's going to happen. I, I, I like uh, knowing these things before I mean, going into it. Well, just wait until we get to our next episode, Yar Dies. Right, right, yeah, yeah, which was the working title for that. Right, right. Um, we really pushed for that, but yeah, that's a story for next week. Story for next week. Yeah. So, um, this episode's really interesting to me because I think that I hated a very large percentage of it, but I also think mm. it's my favorite episode of this season so far. That's pretty wild. <laughs> um, I, uh, gosh, uh, I, I enjoyed the concept, I guess. Um, it was, it was something that I think hasn't really been tackled yet mm. in Trek up to this point, a very real, real world situation, right? Hmm very relatable situation but for some reason we had to turn it into a psa yeah you know you're right there's there's one scene in particular right um, and that stuff does uh stand out as being pretty 
a pretty out of place, I would say, because yeah. that stuff involves like one character who has no other role in the episode at all, other than to be an audience stand-in. And it actually involves another character who has no no role in the plot at all. <laughs> Holy shit! Right, oh, right, right. Uh, it's it's a complete non sequitur, and they they do everything short of looking straight at the camera. Right, and saying don't do drugs. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, so that angle was just a little bit much. It was, it was, but the. I don't want to say the prime directive stuff was good because once again, there's like this misunderstanding of the prime directive. Yes. Um, but in fact, I would say it was horrible, but putting the usage of the term prime directive aside, I did really enjoy the uh, Picard's attitude in approaching that, that problem. Um, See, and this, this is something that uh, I've had a problem uh, with Trek about for, you know, as long as I can remember. Um, and that's the fact that uh, it's, it's moral relativism uh, can sometimes just take things a little bit too far. I mean, what they're trying to do is they're trying to lay, lay out the situation that, that, that makes the audience subjectively, you know, think there's, there's definitely a right thing to do here, right? And that's take mm. away these drugs. Right. Um, and, you know, Picard is trying to apply some kind of reason to it, um, in order to not, you know, kind of take a step back, look at it objectively and not interfere with these two worlds. And I just feel like that's not earned at all. Uh, I, I, I think, um, there's really no, no tangible negative to telling an entire world that another world has them by the balls, you know? Yes. Um, so what I like about it, about specifically this moral relativism, is that it remains absolute in that Picard will never waver from it because that's that's his, his orders as, as a Starfleet officer. Um, and it's like, yeah, in this situation, probably most people would would agree that this is kind of taking that stance a bit too far. Um, I mean, that's the whole argument between him and Crusher. But Picard characterized so far, and basically for most of the series, is the type of person, type of guy that would still stick to this, even in the hardest sure. of situations. And sure. I was watching this, and I'm like, I really hope Picard doesn't... Um, break his 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 own moral code of of sticking to starfleet regulations um which is where it looked like it was going on a few times but for him to take that uh that hard-nosed stance was good was great i really enjoyed that i i found that to be compelling television and the way that it kind of has this almost positive hook at the end where he's like, you can't take these materials that will elongate the yeah. I did like that this relationship. It's like you know solving the problem in a way that aligns with with his orders to ultimately arrive at at a at a more positive result after a bunch of you know suffering and whatnot. Do you want me to ruin that for you? <laughs> sure. So um, according to I guess this isn't really a, a canon source anymore 
because it's been contradicted. But well, after they canceled the uh, EU, yeah, yeah, yeah. After Disney bought us, um, there's there's a resource book that uh, that talks about what happened to the Breckians after this, right? Mm. And uh, apparently, you know, they start going through withdrawal. But I um, thought the Ornarans had withdrawal. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, the Ornarans. Okay. Sorry. Uh, gotta gotta step up your game. Um, yeah, so the, the Ornarans go through withdrawal and uh, they they come to the conclusion that they were being drugged, basically. Mm. They figure it out. And um, they just decide to keep buying. <laughs> they just decide to, to keep buying the drug. That's uh, so dumb. It's very dumb. Uh, but again, not, not particularly canon, but I think that's the only other time we ever hear about the Ornarans again, so that's all we've got. Well, that, that doesn't um, really make sense given this episode because the point of Picard not giving them those coils was that they, they can't... They trade. Right, they, well, they so, don't have the choice. They can't keep buying it. Here's, here's, here's my headcanon okay. about what happened. Talk to they, me. They're, they're off the drugs long enough to, to stop being stupid, mm. right? They fix their ships, and then they immediately go buy more drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that's not realistic. Yeah, it really is, though, isn't it? Maybe that is the best ending. But what's and, hilarious you know, to me is that that would have to involve, like, a committee decision. Like, this whole planet, <laughs> this government, like, all right, guys, we've been off. Um, what is it? Felicite? Oh, I can't remember the name. We've been off this drug for, like, however many years now, maybe decades. Not, No one's addicted to it anymore. We're all living normal lives. What do you say? We, for old time's sake... <laughs> we go back buy some more and then they hold it to a vote and it's like overwhelming majority says yes well you know it's, it's like yar says drugs make you feel good they do make right? you feel good so there's a compelling argument for drugs i think <laughs> there's a lot to talk about in this episode and I, I don't. We don't have to go in chronological order, but I do want to talk about the beginning right now because I absolutely do too. So yeah, go for it. The first act, maybe depending on how you define act. If you define act by like commercial break, then it's the first yeah, two acts yeah. move at such a f frustratingly glacial pace that <laughs> I was ex I was extremely I was aggressively bored and actually frustrated watching it. Um, <laughs> It's just okay. So there's this ship, and they need help. Got it. But let's take ten to fifteen minutes of just trying to communicate with with this guy who's you know is ultimately revealed to be high, and just talking really slowly. There's no urgency. It's so boring. Um, and it this goes on for for so long. If you wanted, I found that funny. I did not find it funny. Like I was, I wanted them to get on with it. So what what you're saying is they they should have maybe maybe cut that down by like half. Yeah, yeah, I get the idea. You know, like this this guy's high. He doesn't really care about his ship. That's that's strange. Um, all these people value this cargo so much. They send it first. I get it. Um, but it just felt like it was so long. And yeah, yeah, I um. I, I will tell you, I appreciated the idea of um, running into someone in space who has no idea how to operate their own ship. Yeah, but at the same time, 
This feels like you're running into like extremely competent people in Star Trek uh, when <laughs> real life is definitely not like that, right? So I'm reminded of that race from like several seasons forward of like a race of idiots. Like they're all stupid, but they right. they like capture Jordy by luring him onto their ship to help them. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, I I have a soft spot for that kind of stuff. Yes, but there's so many shots of the bridge talking to communicating with this vessel and the ve- the guy in the vessel uh, to John says something that's like offbeat or strange or lackadaisical. And then they, they, all, all, they all look at each other. This, this happens like 15 times. Right, right, right. Yeah. They're really driving the point home because the audience in no way could, uh, could infer that this, this character is, uh, you know, stupid or something just by right. seeing it once or twice. Yes. Which is weird because the idea is that it's not that they're stupid. It's that they're, they're like high. Um, yeah. So, okay, they're high, so they can't repair their ship, but then they get sober and they still don't really have access to that kind of um, knowledge or materials. And it, what's mm-hmm. really weird is that, like, oh, we can't, if we don't have these coils, we can't repair our ship. But you made the ship in the first place. It's your ship. So why can't you just make another coil? Presumably you made the first one. And I, I guess that's a good point because, I mean, how many centuries have they been kind of under the thumb of the, the Breckians with this drug thing, right? Right. It has to be a few at least. So, you know, even while they were kind of taking this drug, they uh, they had built the ships. Yeah, so it's it's just, that's not a big deal, um, but it is it is like a, an inconsistency. It is. I didn't think about that. Right. Gotta gotta write better scripts. Um, but yes, uh, the, the the opening was slow. I thought it was kind of cool how they opened with uh, the the Enterprise just going to kind of just observe a phenomenon. Yeah, that's that's very on. It's very in character. Yeah, it's it's in and it's kind of something that we don't really see too often. I think at least up to this point because. Most opens are kind of like we've been asked to go to this planet to save someone or, or something like that, you know? Right. This so is... it's, it's kind of cool to see the Enterprise having a little bit of downtime just doing research. Yeah, having an overtly scientific mission that is shown instead of referred to. Right, right, exactly, yes, yes. Overtly scientific, it's a good way to put it. Uh, and I, uh, I, wish, I wish we got more of that, actually, as, as the show went on. Hmm. I guess it maybe doesn't make for the most compelling material. Well, I mean, what kind of conflicts can you really? Let's let's go look at the sun. I really liked. <laughs> I loved the 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 high tech of um, like putting a black circle over a part of the screen. Yeah. So they don't have yes. to look at the sun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. They never found a way to like observe a sun uh, in 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 any other way. Um. It's high, it's high tech both in universe and and um, in production of just all right put a put a flat black circle over it. Yes, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I, I I do want to uh, I want to draw attention to a Troy quote that I that I wrote down. Um, is when it, is when it about somebody's starts, obvious feelings. Yeah, so when when the ship starts kind of going haywire, uh, it's because of the proximity to the sun, right? Mm. 
and uh, she turns to, to Captain Picard and says, um, Captain, the level of tension on the ship is mounting. Ooh, that's, uh, that's interesting. And, uh, yeah, you know, I would never have been able to infer that. I never would have, would have thought that, you know, people would be frustrated by appliances kind of short-circuiting and not being able to do their jobs. It's, so I'm, I'm really thankful. It's like they really felt the need to establish the points for every character. Yeah. Like, this is what yeah, Troy does. It, it, it's, it's, it really is just like, um, Troy, we've seen over the past 20 episodes that Troy is only ever used to this effect in the first season. All right, let's. It is it's mind numbing. Let's be more sympathetic to Troy and look at it this way: How many characters in the show so far have been written with complex emotions? Right, sure, so, sure. It, it is. It, it is just the thing that bothers me about it, though, is that it, like that's all she does. She has nothing else. Right. You know, she got one episode to herself about her wedding. Right. Yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, even now I look back on fondly, the dinner scene and such. But, <laughs> the gong. Yeah, the gong. Um, but that's really it. And, and, and every other episode, she's relegated to like two or three lines where um, she, she has to tell us, the audience, what other people are thinking. As if it's not entirely obvious. Yeah, I mean, I guess... I, I don't want to be like, oh, you know... Troy's various romance subplots were very good because they weren't over the show's run, but at least they were something for her to do. Yeah, yeah, and then you know you start seeing her in her office, yeah, um, have doing counseling. Set. Yeah, the best. Um, so, so that... Yeah. No, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say the best Troy moment of the entire show is an entire episode late in the show's run where she's abducted by Romulans. And is mm-hmm. given plastic surgery to to look like a Romulan, and then she has to navigate this entire tense scenario aboard a Romulan ship um, while she's masquerading as like some high ranking official. Oh, uh, see, I was I was gonna say the best the best scene with Troy was when she turned into a cake. All right, well that's the best scene. But the best Troy episode was uh, was the one I'm describing. That was Data's dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a weird concept now that I'm saying it out loud. Looking like a cake. Well, not that. Just Data dreaming. And once Data's dreaming, oh, yeah. and he's got like a telephone inside him, and there's uh, some like 1920s miners trying to, to, to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the only part I remember from that episode. Actually, is the cake. I think so. I think the end of that episode is um, where Dato sits and watches a pot boiling to see if it or a kettle boiling to see how fast it. Boils. Oh, was that that? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We'll get to that when we get to it, huh? Yeah. See you guys in a few years. There's a lot to unpack there. It's going to be our first uh, quadruple-length episode. Right. The psychology of Data's dream. Um, did you catch that scene? There's a scene where, where Riker and Yar are uh, walking down the hall talking. So I like, don't remember like the, the contents of what they said, but I distinctly remember a Riker-Yar scene sticking out to me as being bizarre. It was like a Gilmore Girls scene. 
just right? nonstop. No, just no a million pizza. miles an hour. Yes. Um, what were they talking? And it about? only stopped. I can't. Remember. I think it was about <laughs> the. Uh, it was. It was about the electric powers. Yes. The, um, which we we can talk about that too. I guess. Uh, yeah. How that has had this is the first time I think that Star Trek has shown like um, basically superpowers on mm-hmm. on any alien race. And what what I liked about that conversation, the Riker Yar thing, was that it was an attempt at scientific contextualization for that. Um, where it's like, oh, they live uh-huh. close to the sun, and the UV yeah. rays have changed their evolution over millennia. It's like, sure, you know, whatever. But no matter how you explain it, the choice to have superpowers on a humanoid race just does not gel with Star Trek. Yeah. And yeah. In fa- yeah. yeah. Go go ahead. I was gonna go say, ahead. in fact, it was inconsequential to the story. Um, if, yeah, and that's that's the thing. It was completely inconsequential. If, they could have taken it out. Yeah. No different. If if you gave that um to John, just show him pull out a knife or something, or grab right. like Riker's phaser or whatever it a is. A laser sword. Yeah, laser sword, laser whip. Um. Yeah. If you yeah, had one yeah, of the fringy whip. electric whips. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. But really, give him any weapon, and you can just remove that element from the script, and it doesn't matter. Right. Right. So. Yeah, I didn't. So there's that. D- didn't like that element. The conversation was was a strange uh, tone breaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think. Let me look at my notes here. There's, there's it's so dense. So here's something. It is very dense. Why did the script call out the fact that there were six people on board, and two of them didn't make it? Because it never becomes a plot point. I guess. The idea is to show that oh the cargo was more valuable than they were. Yeah, and that's entirely it. But at the same time, sending the cargo first already gets that yeah. point across. To and me, that fills the, the role. To me, I thought that those other two people were gonna be like another faction or or their identity would shed more light on the relationship of these two factions. Right. But I guess not. And none of the Yeah, four... we, we, we... We get a lot uh, in in the beginning of this episode that really just has no bearing on the rest of it. Exactly, and uh, it, it's it's not it's unsatisfying as a uh, as an audience member to see things that are set up without a payoff because they right. stick out to you, and you're like, "Well, what's this going right. to mean? What's this going to mean?" And it well, it means nothing. Oh, great, nice writing. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, overall, just a terrible, terrible use of an opening, I guess. Yeah. When, when all things are considered. Yeah, so I, I, this is one of the times where it's like, oh, this should have been given more attention. Or this should have been given... Like, I don't have anything that I think could have been, been expanded upon. So I kind of get it. Why why these scenes really dragged? Because they needed to fill time. Right. Um, but ultimately, where it goes, I, I like quite a bit. This, this um, Breckian... Or Narin, um, power dynamic and subterfuge. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think it does become a really fun conflict. It is, and it got a lot from a very from a very little. Like right. when you start out thinking like, okay, we're gonna have these two aliens based around breakfast, then 
you know, whatever, we'll do something with that. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And um, ultimately, uh, it becomes this whole thing. But yeah, so we should probably talk about that, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, tell the audience. So this was one of Gene's uh, brain children. Uh, the idea for the Breckians and the Arnarans, those names were chosen very, very particularly. Um, the idea was that the Breckians would like be a uh, culture based around like these these fancy and great breakfasts that they cooked and the ornarins yeah. would have like orchards of um, oranges that dotted yeah. their entire planet and gene came up with this while eating breakfast one day and he's like oh man it would be great to have like a breakfast themed alien race just to have right. like, a more nutritious theme to uh mm -hmm. to star mm -hmm. trek and it was a good, it was, that's a great message to have for the kids, you know, eat a balanced breakfast, eat healthy. And it kind of, in this episode, it was a perfect choice because it dovetailed very nicely with the ultimate message of the episode, which is the anti-drug stuff. Um, Gene's just a genius, a genius, exactly. Um, but you probably knew this without knowing it, you, the audience member, I would say. If you've ever heard somebody shorten the word breakfast to brekkie, well, you know, where do you think that started? Right, right. And, you know, on that topic, uh, staple of brekkie, hmm. uh, orange juice, right? Right. Of course. Um, you know, there's, there's a scene where, where the, the Breckians are in, in their quarters uh, drinking a mysterious liquid, right? Ah. And, uh, Right. Some some have speculated that it's orange juice and, um, you know, you heard it here first. But in fact, it is. It's orange juice um, because the way this happened was the the Breckians were buying these the, 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 the oranges from the Ornarans. They, they weren't quite oranges, though. They, right. they were like, you know, a, a citrus adjacent fruit. And, uh, you know, of course, the replicators, they're not loaded with these kind of niche uh, uh, food items. Right. Mm. So. Off screen, uh, what had happened, what canonically happened was the Breckians kind of discuss this with Data, um, and uh, he informs them of similarities between an Earth orange and their own. And, uh, you know, that's how they end up drinking the orange juice. And, you know, this, this ends up having just disastrous consequences over the course of several pocket TNG novels. For those of you who don't read the novels, um, it, it, it culminates in, in, you know, the famous beam katana scene with Dr. Crusher. Oh, yes. The infamous, so, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of like a butterfly effect, really. Had, had they not spoken to Data about their oranges, you know, where would we be mm -hmm. in, in, in the, uh, the, the extended universe of Star Trek? It would be a very, very different uh, landscape, you know? It would, and a butterfly effect is a really good way to put it, like you said. Um, there's so many minute things that happen in an episode of Star Trek or, or are said in an episode of Star Trek that have compounding effects throughout various novels and such. Um, mm -hmm. It's so much to keep track of that I, I don't even fucking bother. Oh, well, I mean, right, I don't either. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know. Well, you know, no, no self-respecting person really does, right? That's true. That's true. I mean, if you're if you catch yourself reading a Star Trek novel, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh man, that's a very, very sad life. One must. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. In fact, like I can barely handle watching the show. <laughs> oh, it's complete schlock. Yeah, it's terrible. The it's yeah. if I didn't work on it and had like you know these memories and affinity for it, and I wasn't making like several hundred dollars from the the Patreon every month. Right, right. What's the point? <laughs> Not it's everything can be Dune. Right. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, Dune is really like the peak of of science fiction. Indeed. Indeed. But uh, I digress. So let's continue talking about uh, about symbiosis. It's only going to get worse, is the thing, um, because now I think we kind of have to dive into like the the meat of this this drug stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it's the whole plot point of this is that there's these two alien factions. One of them has a plague on their planet, and the other one has the medicine for that plague. And they're caught in an economic dispute about the payments for that medicine. And that's where the, the Enterprise finds them. So there's this choice to be made of, like, do we give um, this race like their their medicine like we force it right. to be given to them or do we allow the people to hold it until they're able to get payment and you know that's a cool moral decision but you know there's a twist oh my god um turns out there is no plague instead um those that is simply withdrawal symptoms for people who haven't had this medicine which is actually just a drug a narcotic yes and caked into this is an entire anti-drug theme for the episode, which perhaps is best exemplified by the scene we alluded to earlier between Yar and Wesley Crusher, where mm-hmm. Wesley Crusher asks, um, why do people do drugs? And Yar says, because <laughs> it feels good. And that's, that's not selling it. That's selling it short. Because it's a it's a decently long scene. It's like three minutes, and it's uh, completely none of these characters do almost anything else for the rest of the episode, especially not Wesley. Right. So right. the story behind that one is that that scene was made to be isolated. Like the goal was that we could cut it out of the episode and show it to to children in schools as like an anti drug mm-hmm. thing. At that time, we were partnering with the D.A.R.E. program, if you're familiar with that. It's an anti-drug program put on by um, various police stations. Do they do they still do that? I don't think they do. I think kids just do I drugs heard of these it. days. Yeah, I mean, I think we just let kids do drugs and, and have sex. Right, right. Uh, you know. So, I think D.A.R.E. stands for Drug Awareness and Resistance. What's the E stand for? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, at the time in the you know the mid '80s when we were partnering with them, it, ours was the Young Ensigns Dare uh, program. Mm-hmm. It was a partnership, and it was kind of cool. Like we made this scene for it that the kids could watch in school. Our you know we made a bunch of slogans. Our writers wrote them that was were on the various pamphlets and stuff alongside stock photos of our characters. I, I actually. I, something special. I went into the archives and I found some of those slogans that oh. I can share with you. I don't know if you remember these. Oh my god! But there, I had a, I had a, a big smile on my face when I found them. So listen to this. 
Um, here's one. Captain Picard dares you. And it's a picture of Picard you know, pointing directly at the camera. Um, here's one. Dare in Klingon is Grunch. Which, um, oh. you know, you can imagine Worf's on, on that. What, what uh, does that stand for? Uh, well, it doesn't stand for anything. It's just, you know. Oh, okay. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not like a little one-to-one yeah. translation. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we can ask our resident Klingon experts what uh, Gavonch means. And I hope I'm pronouncing you know, that correctly. We, we, need, we need to get a Klingon expert on this shit. That's true. That's true. Uh, what season is it that has like that um, big Klingon power dispute? Three? Three, I think. All right. We'll, we'll need to bring him in for that. Um, yeah. Got a few more of these. There's one with Riker and his trombone on it. It says, drugs and you go together like blondes and jazz. That's which, beautiful. Which is to say not at all. Right, right. Uh, of course, we have to get data in there. Data says, my positronic brain can't compute why anyone wouldn't dare. Because Data has a positronic brain. That's the name of his brain. Right, right. And right. Then another Worf one. I don't know why we had so many Worf, but uh, only true Klingons, only true Klingon warriors dare. Oh, yeah. it's true. It is true. It is true. Klingon warriors to have no need for drugs. So, you know, as you might imagine, that program was kind of a failure. Like, none of the kids mm-hmm. seemed very interested in in an- being anti-drug or in Star Trek. Which, you know, fine. Go do drugs. I don't really care. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, if, if they don't appreciate what we do for them, it's fine. Um, hmm. while, while we're on the subject of Yar, though, uh, I would be remiss if 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 I didn't uh, discuss the uh, the the little BTS story we have for her this mm-hmm. episode. Oh, I'm I'm always uh, down for BTS. Yeah, always. We love BTS. Hashtag um, BTS. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, hashtag us in uh, hashtag radio room. Hashtag BTS. Um, hashtag BTS meal. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so so Denise in this episode, I mean, you mentioned she doesn't really have much to do, um, which is fair. She doesn't really. In any episode, really. Right. And that's the thing, though. Ironically, I think this is her best performance of the series. Um, and I mean, ironically, in, in many different ways here. Um, and the whole reason is she was so animated this episode, you know, you, you can kind of tell she was she was giving it her all. Um, which is, you know, more than more than you can say for most of uh, most of her appearances, right? Mm. And uh, the whole story behind that is that uh, she thought we had kind of reneged on her killing of the character in Skin of Evil, which was filmed before this episode, right? Right, out of sequence. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and and see, that's another thing they don't really tell you is that Denise really didn't want to leave. I know that's a story that goes around, right? Mm. Um, she wasn't satisfied with you know her her character's role, but no, she she loved Yar and she loved Trek. Um, but we we were getting complaints from the network, right? That we had too many white people in prominent roles, right? Mm. Uh, and um, when it came down to it, you know, we, we knew who was getting the axe, right? Like we can't just fire the good actors yeah and i mean what do you <laughs> we're trying to make art here not yeah not spare anybody's it's, feelings it's something yeah something you know to to show future generations to show our children to show um, the next generation really 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, something something to dress up our children in little um, Star Trek uniforms and sit them in front of the TV while they cry. Um, but yeah, so basically the issue was that we ended up with a script for an episode that obviously Yar needed to be in, right? Mm. Um, we were exploring degenerate themes like drug use, so you have to have Denise there. It just wouldn't work without um, her. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it wouldn't make any sense. So Denise was brought back for one more episode under the pretense that we'd actually be reviving her character um, in, in the one after this. Um, so when shooting wrapped up, we all got together to, I guess, quote, celebrate, right? And uh, Rick dropped the news that we actually weren't going to need her anymore. And uh, <laughs> you remember, she stormed out crying. Uh, she was hysteric. And... Uh, I don't think anyone heard from her for months. And, um, I mean, we all had a good laugh. I, I guess I guess there really was something to celebrate. Then. Oh, yeah. It was a fun day. It was, it was, it was perfect. Any time that we could come together as a crew, um, mm -hmm. those are fond memories in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And this, is, uh, um, this episode was one of them. Yeah. So, where were we? We were, um, we were talking about, about the drug thing, like the, the, the plot twist yeah. in the episode. Right, right, yeah. So, and here's, here's kind of where um, I feel like I found not really a plot hole, but I, I guess a, a hole in the world building of, of Trek. Hmm. And that's that um, the entire time, like, like right when we learned that, uh, that it is a a drug, or actually even before that, um, I I couldn't help but think why why can't the Enterprise just buy this drug off of the Brekkians, right? Well, that's that's also interfering. I, I suppose mean, if they gave it to the the Ornarians, I, I guess. Yeah. I, okay. I guess that's true. Now, but this this started making me think. How does the Federation operate among societies with currencies? I was going to say, can they buy them? Do they have money? Exactly, but it wouldn't make any sense because there's so many planets that still use currency, right? I mean, there's, there's advanced civilizations and societies that aren't part of the Federation that don't operate on the same you know, merit-based system. Yeah, I mean, so, so there's the Ferengi, first of all. Which right. is a it's a society based around money in the, the the most severe way. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. But I it's one of the things you can't think too hard about if you want um uh to keep your respect for the for the show. Oh, but we we can think about the universal translator. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. In, in fact, that's, that's, that's all. Uh, that's all I think about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, falling asleep at night. I'm like, why are they talking like that? <laughs> but yeah, they, they do everything leading up to this twist to make it as obvious as possible what the twist is going to be. Well, I kind of which... liked that. Yes, yes, it was super obvious. Um, where you know, throughout the whole first part, you're thinking, "Is this guy drunk? Like, what's going on?" And yeah. then you like when they t when those two people get their first hit that we see um, inside sick bay, it, it very much looks like people uh, shooting up. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I did like that there was that opportunity for even slow audience members to arrive at the conclusion before it's explicitly right. told to them. Um, and, you know, that's in some ways good writing when um, something is shown in such a way that, that it, it is understandable without the explicit saying of it. And in this right, case, right. You, can, you can't sidestep explicitly saying it because um, the characters have to discuss it. Of course. So and uh, not only not only do they have to discuss it, they have to have a very slow, awkward exposition dump in the Breckian's room. Mm. I don't know if you remember this. <sighs> yes, I do. I do remember this because they're talking to the Breckians right. and it's like, an old detective not it's like columbo <laughs> yeah yeah it is where yes. they're like oh and then you did this oh and you did this too yeah <laughs> right. i found your plan right, right. Mm-hmm. uh yeah so that that was that was kind of awkward but that uh, was not a that was not a high point of the the episode but the thing yeah. is all of this moral conflict between dr crusher and picard that transpires where crusher wants them to save the Ornarins and tell them that they're on drugs and to get them off it and Picard does not want to interfere is extremely um interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a good dynamic to have for sure. And that uh, that kind of stuff is the exact reason why I watch Star Trek. Right. It, it's it's interesting. It, it's just having like oh, we're going to shoot things in space and have a ship battle. Like whatever, <laughs> who cares? But I, we're gonna navigate an intercultural conflict while keeping to our own orders and moral code is a uh, is a lot more interesting to me. Definitely, definitely. The, the 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 moral conflict is very strong in this episode. And when you do that without betraying the characters, um, their characterization. That's when it's a resounding success to me, and that's that's why I love right. this episode so much, despite its numerous flaws. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good episode. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's basically it, though, isn't it? I mean, we don't really have uh, we don't really have much more to say about it. Not really. Um, yeah, not really anything. It's yeah, it's pretty straightforward once the twist happens. It is. Um, it's from that point it shifts to any um, intrigue about the situation to just being this Crusher Picard dynamic, which is good, but it's there's not much to talk about there. And that's the thing; it's done well. So yeah, I can't. What can you really say? It's standard Trek. It should have been bad. Then we could have talked about it more. <laughs> yeah, if it was bad, we could have made fun of it. Um. I, I will say there's a scene where, where Riker walks onto the bridge and then sits on a computer console. Yes, what, I, you are the best. I'm so happy you noticed that. Like, I, I, I oh my god, we like uh, it tickles me to no end that both of us watch this independent of one another and we're like, yeah, that's weird. It's just so inappropriate. It is. It is. Holy shit. Oh, Jesus. how is that not like? And that starts to, you know, raise the question, you know, 
touchscreens of today are, are heat sensitive, right? Are right. they not heat sensitive in the future? And uh, what do they react to? We have another um, insight into the panels when earlier in the episode they're all going haywire, and you see them kind yeah. of like shut off, and they're just completely black. So there's no, right. there's nothing in those screens themselves. It's all projections. Wow. Yeah. Wild. Wild, wild. Um, we might as yeah. well give a shout out to Riker's, um, rather Frakes' Emmy moment when he's oh, taken yeah. hostage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, kind of funny that, that he gets frozen two episodes in a row. Yeah, that is weird. And uh, luckily this time he was not standing there all day. It's true. I mean, well, and he also had somebody to hold him up, which is nice. Right, right. Yeah, it was it was easier all around. And um, you can tell because it's it's just it's a beautiful performance. It is. It is. We um, what was the direction that he had? The direction that he had. Yeah. For, the, for like, um, what to look like. I, I think it, I think it was God. What did he say? I think it was cerebral palsy. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, the the director brought in his son and he's like, look like this. Right. Right. Um. Which, you know, some people might think is a little bit heartless, but he, he used his son to great effect Yeah, and his, several times, actually. And his son liked being on the set, you know? Just, yeah, like, yeah. Some of the staff, like, signed a baseball cap for him. It's a good time. Right, right. He couldn't understand a damn thing he said, but, no. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a bit cruel when uh, Brent would kind of do, like, a mocking impression of the kid behind his back, but... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you kind of let those things go, because it's Brent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I will say he was very happy that his dad had to sit in the wheelchair. That's so true. So they were kind of matching. It brought them um, closer together. Yeah. yeah. So in a, in a way, we really did kind of do a lot of good for the world in just this one episode. Yeah. This might be the most historically important episode of The Next Generation. Yeah, certainly. I mean, look, look at what it did for all these kids who, you know, would have done drugs, if not for us. Mm-hmm. Now the staff, they did a ton of drugs, but the kids—the oh, kids—they didn't do any drugs, unless unless you're Will Wheaton, then then you did some drugs. Then of course you did drugs, right? Yes. So I guess that'll do it. That's it. That's a wrap. Wow. So I said my I said my thoughts on the episode, and that it was basically one of my favorites this season, despite the problems. Sure. What, what do you, What do you think about it? I think it's definitely up there for me as well. Mm. probably one of my favorites too i think um i think most of the issues i have with it are kind of just personal um some very subjective and uh i can't really fault it for what it does so uh it's it's something i would absolutely recommend you know that it would be on my watch list for season one for sure same same yeah all right then so we'll wrap this up and uh, move on to my question of the week. Of the week, oh I can't God. call it question of the week because you already have the question of the week, right? So true, true. Well, uh, trivia question of the week. Trivia question. Um, so I've got another. It's going to be multiple choice. Okay. It's uh, another part of the TNG Bible. Okay. I'm in. And this comes from page 19, clothing and costumes. Mm -hmm. And 
this section discusses how the TNG uniform is going to look a lot less, a lot less military looking than, than, you know, the, the Star Trek films that were kind of its contemporary. Mm. Um, it, it would go into like what people would wear off duty and stuff like that. So um, this third paragraph, I'm going to read it to you and we're going to fill in the blank. So when off duty, our characters may wear clothing appropriate to their personal moods and heritage. We might see African dashikis, Pacific Island sarongs, and perhaps even a blank. Oh, Lord. Okay. I'm, before you say the options, I'm just going to guess burqa. It is not a burqa, but good guess. Thank you. Okay. Here are four options. A. Japanese kimono. B. Indian sari. C, Scottish kilt, or D, New York Yankees baseball cap. Oh, no. Oh, no. There's no way it's New York Yankees baseball cap, is there? That That's no way. That's, that's the thing, though. Like, all of these are just fine. They're basically the same level as the other options, but the baseball cap is just too stupid to get away from it. It's, oh, no. <laughs> Ah, uh, God, I'm going to lose it. Because this is like the perfect kind of fake answer, too, where it's like, yep, I'll, just, yep. I'll just throw something stupid in for a joke. Ooh. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to say D, New York Yankees baseball cap. You are correct. Oh, my God. You are correct. <laughs> um, have you seen a New York Yankees baseball cap in any of TNG? No, but I have no. seen them listen exclusively to 20th century music, so. Right. Good God. It's ridiculous. Could you imagine? What if it's Worf? Right. Just, yeah, just someone walking around with a, with a Yankees hat. Fucking It's insane. Genius. Yeah, I was going to say the Scottish kilt thing to when I heard that first. I'm like, oh, he's got to get some white people thing in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, New York Yankees cap definitely qualifies. Yeah, the the kilt I thought was kind of kind of on the fence of of um, appropriate and ridiculous to even mention. Hmm. All right. Well, but, I uh, guess yeah, I guess that'll do it for the week. Yeah. Um, I'll have to procure a New York Yankees baseball cap to wear next week during our our recording. Right, in true Trek fashion. True Trek fashion. True Trek fashion. But before we go to reward anybody sticking around to the end of the podcast, we might have a special new production in the works. Ah. I'm not going to say any more, but stay tuned and watch the skies, watch the Twitter, and uh, you might see some special readier announcements soon. But until those readier announcements come, everybody, I bid you a nice, please, stay ready. The troublesome little man child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures.
told him to mind his own damn business. But I stroke the beard thusly. Do I not appear more intellectual? Beginning, 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 beginning.